I think now, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments in my eyes of this event is that we now have 40 kids who are much more aware of how to have these strong conversations without shutting people out. And all those kids are now at four different high schools across the Prescott area. And that, that is one of the biggest gifts of this event in my eyes, at least. What was your response to the protests and turmoil that unfolded in downtown Prescott last summer? Were you afraid, upset, angry, disgusted? And what action did you take? Most of us talked about it with our friends and associates, maybe took it to social media. But how many of us actually did something? I sure didn't. But the teens on the Launchpad's Teen Advisory Council got moving to address the rift that showed itself so dramatically on Courthouse Plaza. It's a rift that had been seeping through the cracks of our culture all along, and many of our local teens were seeing it in their schools long before it erupted downtown. A few teens from the Launchpad Teen Center worked together to create a series of facilitated discussions about race and racism in several local high schools. Our guests on this episode share their personal experiences with racism, as well as their contributions to facilitating the tough conversations with peers that we think will help us all heal as a community and live up to our claim as Prescott being everyone's hometown. On this episode, we get to talk with four members of the Teen Advisory Council about what motivated them to get involved in the conversation about racial justice. And they tell us what the Teen Advisory Council is doing to address the issue in area high schools. We get to talk to Sedona, Tessa, Emma, and Riley, and we're really pleased to introduce them to you. A few tips to help the listener. Keep in mind that the teens were together in the same room sharing a microphone when we recorded this, so they were masked up to keep themselves and each other safe. Some of their voices are a little hard to hear at times, but what they have to say is so worth the effort. Also, this episode starts with a check-in in the traditional way that the Teen Advisory Council starts all their meetings. A check-in is a chance for everyone to introduce themselves and to speak a little bit about what's on their mind. Lastly, you'll notice that in that check-in, the teens mention what pronouns they prefer. This pronoun announcement might seem foreign to some listeners, but it is becoming a standard way for people to introduce themselves and to make a conversation safer and more welcoming for anyone who might not fit the usual gender definitions. Get ready to be impressed and inspired by these smart, mature young women who are doing the real work of making Prescott better together. This is the Prescott Woman Podcast, an audio supplement of Prescott Woman Magazine, and we're your hosts, Kelly Roberge and Charles Matthews. All right, let's get local. Uh, we'll start with some check-ins. Tessa, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm Tessa Martinez. I go by she, her pronouns. I really like the snow that we got this weekend. It was pretty nice to wake up to an inch of snow at my house. Sedona, would you like to go? Sure. Um, My name is Sedona Ortega. I go by she, her pronouns, and I'm really excited to be here and have the opportunity to be on this podcast. It's a super cool opportunity for all of us. Emma? Hi, yeah. Snow, that was unexpected, uh, per usual in Prescott. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I'm also very excited to be here. So my name is Emma. 
I'm 17. I use she, her pronouns. And again, thank you all for having us. Riley, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Unlike you all, I'm in Phoenix soaking up some sunshine right now. So I'm very sorry. Um, (laughs) Not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. But my name is Riley Phelan. I use she, her pronouns. And like everyone else, I'm super happy to be doing this. Um, I am Kelly Roberge, co-host of the Prescott Women podcast. I am also very excited to be here and talk with all of you wonderful young people about how dedicated you have been to justice and equality. And I am in, as we say in other circles. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Charles Matthews. I'm the I'm the the co-host, the sidekick on the Prescott Woman podcast. I use he him pronouns. And yeah, thanks for mentioning the snow. The the little skiff of snow happened overnight, and at the same time, the daffodils are coming up in our yard. So it's that it's that really interesting springtime where it's not really clear what's going on. Whether we're getting warmed up, whether we're freezing down. So it keeps us on our toes. And just to ditto everything Kelly said, thank you all so much for joining us today to talk about the the Better Together program and what you all have been doing to ideally make Prescott live up to its its moniker, everybody's hometown, right? So our first question is just what drove the the creation of this Better Together discussion and, and project? Sure, I think I can begin on that note. Uh, we've all, all four of us have grown up in Prescott. It's our hometown. We love it dearly, but that also means that we have grown up existing in classrooms with kids who are comfortable using racist or any sort of racist language um, and general ignorance uh, and bigotry. And I think it has a lot to do with generational issues, a lot of implicit bias. And I, um, after witnessing all of this for so long, we've finally been given the opportunity through TAC to really start making a difference. And we all ran with it. On a separate note, I was protesting this summer, as was Sedona. And uh, it was it was scary and sad to see everything that happened downtown. Nobody wants to have 40 grown men shouting at you with large guns in your face. I was personally there with my black friend, which made it all the more scary because there certainly was a lot of slurs being shouted. I was body checked into a trash can. And so I think everyone was fired up to make a difference in the best way we know how, which is through trying to change the teen community. And we're all really proud of what we've done. And we're hoping to do more in the future. Great. Great. Uh, anybody else want to respond to that question? What what uh, prompted, what fired this the creation of these discussions? Yeah, I've had very similar experiences as Riley. Um, you know, despite going to different schools and just growing up in general in a predominantly white area, um, not only is it kind of othering to look around and see that nobody looks like you, but to also be made the butt of a joke because of your race. For context, I'm half Japanese. And so, you know, I'm Asian and I've, I've heard a lot of different, you know, variations on the same joke. And despite it being played off as a joke, it does, like I said, feel othering and exclusive. And it's hard to like stand up against it because if you say, Hey, that didn't make me, um, I, I didn't like that. It can be seen as you're not able to 
take the dark humor. You know, you don't have the same sense of humor as them. And so it's it's like a mix of already feeling othered and then feeling like you can't speak up against it. And then also, you know, I've also uh, seen peers use racial slurs and express, you know, exclusive sentiment um, towards all sorts of minority groups. And I think the best way for us to confront those issues is to talk about them and to frame it as, hey, you know, you're not just because you use racist language or you have in the past doesn't necessarily make you a racist. Um, it's just that the things that you're doing are racist. And yeah, I think that was the motivator for a lot of us um, to frame the conversation so that we're, we're including as many people as possible. Also trying to hold ourselves accountable and uh, strive towards a more inclusive uh, student body. And just to add to that some more, um, when we really started working on Better Together, we really saw it was stemming from older generations from Prescott. Um, you know, Prescott has always been kind of like that racist town that kind of takes a spin on it, you know, everybody's hometown, um, but it's really not. So that was really our main goal to try and help Prescott become that loving town that everyone wants it to be and how it should be. And it just kind of going back to again of like how it really started there's also a video of a Prescott High student that circled the internet pretty like all over and he was using um, transphobic slurs and um, racist terms and so that's really what kind of started all of it was the protests in this video of like we clearly need to do something and how can we do that and Sedona you were you were down on the square as well correct yeah I was it was it was a really scary experience because I think what I saw most was a lot of miscommunication between people. And the reason that we were there, of course, was um, to promote equality and equity and strive for a better Prescott. And the people that were there counter protesting definitely did not think that's why we were there. And that created a very scary environment where it felt unsafe and it did not feel like everyone's hometown. And even though I've grown up in Prescott my whole life and a lot of the people that were there have grown up in Prescott their whole life, they were yelled at and told to go back to where you came from and those kinds of things while people were holding weapons. And that is not how anyone who's protesting for equality should be treated. And it was also sad to see teens being treated that way in Prescott when they're so passionate about moving forward and creating a more inclusive community. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. And can you tell us a little bit about the, the Better Together events and discussions? What was it like you, you had? A, you brought in a professional facilitator to, to sponsor this discussion. How, how did you promote it to your peers? How did you get other folks involved in it? I understand you're trying to make it as inclusive as possible and, and not put as, you know, not put blame on people, not call people racist. But how did you how did you get your your peers to show up? A lot of emailing. <laughs> <laughs> Emma and I probably drafted at least 20, 20 emails. But, you know, I think that, that peers are, all of our peers are very excited to get involved in this. Nobody wants to feel like they're a part of a community that is going to put others down, is going to be exclusive. And um, a, a, lar a large part, too, was we, we were forced to change the language quite a few times. 
at the core of this event, we were really hoping to tackle racism in our high schools. Unfortunately, racism has been a politicized word. And there was there was parent pushback. And we changed our mission statement twice. Um, once to ha- remove the word racism and the second time to remove the phrase demand respect. Wow. Um, so clearly, clearly people are, um, there's a lot of, there was a lot of opposition. I think it was interesting as teenagers too, because people don't always take you as seriously. So we had to navigate that as well. But certainly we, we found out that language matters and our biggest priority was making sure that everybody that wanted to participate had a seat at the table and that if that meant making it more palatable for parents and some of our own peers, we were willing to do that. And and that's a lesson that I think will continue to serve us throughout our life is making our priorities and and being able to tell when when the fights are worth it and when they're not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a pretty huge lesson. You guys are are doing a master class in that already. <laughs> Yeah. Other other thoughts about uh, what you learned or, or what you noticed as you were organizing this event? Yeah. Riley and I, like you said, drafted a lot of emails, met up with a lot of schools. And I kind of want to talk about how it was really difficult to navigate setting up the event through COVID because our initial intention was we wanted to make sure kids were facing each other when they were talking about these issues because a lot of what's lost in these kinds of discussions is first like okay, we don't share the same definitions on things. So we have to nail down what we're all talking about, um, what we have to be on the same page. And then also just like empathy, like you were saying at the protest, I personally didn't go because my parents didn't, were afraid, you know, that I'd get hurt. Um, but from the videos I saw, like the yelling, the screaming, the antagonizing, like there was no empathy there. And so, you know, we wanted to have face-to-face discussions. But with COVID, we kind of had to change that plan last minute and it became an online virtual event, which in hindsight was the best option as at that time schools were closing down and, you know, going back online. So it it was definitely difficult to navigate the logistics um, of Better Together because not like with COVID, but also because it was the first time we'd done it. As we continue and hopefully have another Better uh, Together event in um, the spring, now that we kind of understand how logistics work and how we can uh, articulate those better to admin, different schools, we're hoping to get more teams involved and more schools involved too. Well, I was just curious about the results of the conversation or the, the content of the conversation. How how did it unfold? And were people there who were willing to express themselves, the kind of people who maybe would have been yelling on the square at you guys, mm-hmm. were they, were any of those people willing to show up and engage in a calm conversation? And did it, did you get anywhere? I, yeah, I can talk to that. Um, I, I actually was not a part of TAC until after the Better Together event. And it's one of the things that inspired me to join TAC, um, but I was a participant in the event. And I think that partly it was unfortunate to see that some schools kind of dropped dropped out right at the end. And personally, my school didn't require it. Nobody, nobody attended from my school. I uh, skipped the day because I really wanted to be part of the conversation. And I would say that the conversations that did happen 
were really meaningful and I would hope are just the beginning. And I think that's what we all talked about in the event is it's just the beginning of many conversations that we need to have in the future. And hopefully we can expand this to a broader group of people where we can ha- we can start to have those conversations with people that think differently than us. And I think the way that the event was set up, it made it so that a lot of people who wanted to be there attended, but it was still very important for all of us to learn how to have important, effective conversations in a way that is, we can have empathy and we can move forward. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how it goes in the future. Tessa, what was your, what was your experience in the, in the conversation? Um, yeah, so my experience, I was a part of TAC at that time. Um, I was just kind of helping out Riley and Emma um, with it. But during the event, um, it did seem like all the people who wanted to come, who thought this was a great idea, did come. And then some schools ended up not making it mandatory. So students just joined in um, with their cameras off and then didn't say anything because you could, like, skip that whole day of school. So we had a couple of those issues. And really, it was a good learning Um, experience for us. Now we all know like what to do for the spring of how to really um, make more interaction with those kids. And maybe we can make it mandatory. Um, It's just those logistics that are hard to work out during these times, especially with COVID and being on Zoom. Yeah. Kudos to you guys for sticking in there and figuring out how to, how to get people to attend and how to just facilitate conversation, you know, with, with the difficulties of the day. Yeah. Something I was really struck by, and I was in a, in a breakout room with perhaps more diverse opinions than some of the other ones ended up having, but there was a a growth in a sense of accountability. I think even from the beginning of the event, it was a three hour event. By the end, I I think a lot of people felt like they needed to do more and they really needed to hold their peers accountable, which is so important. I think everyone can speak to this, but I've been in a classroom where maybe I'm the only one who can say, hey, you know, like what you're doing and what you're saying is actually harmful. And the more students that we can inspire to have those like feel as though they have to hold their peers to a higher standard is so important. And I I hope that the more people that we have that are willing to have these conversations and willing to hold their peers accountable will have a snowball effect on other folks. So I, I think that's what I was most, what I realized the most and was most proud of is that there's, um, people feel like there needs to be a change and they want to be a part of it. And having these conversations gives you a more tangible example of why. A really striking moment in um, the event too was there was an anonymous way to um, acknowledge your own racist behaviors. And it seems like everyone on that call was able to acknowledge that they have been participating in to varying extents, but participating in the racist behaviors that are happening at all of our high schools. And um, it's, it's very sad. I teared up when that moment happened and I'm not, I'm not removed from that. I'm a white person living in a predominantly white area. And as, as much as I want to commit myself to anti-racist efforts, it would be incredibly naive of me to say that I don't have my own implicit biases as well. So um, 
again, that goes along with the the idea of accountability and that that means holding yourself accountable and the people around you. Wow, that's really beautifully put. I I'm wow, I'm I'm really moved by that, Riley. Um because we all until we can see that we are all part of this, you know, especially at, at white people in white culture, you know, we are going to have implicit bias. We just do. We can't help it. And in order to really change the culture and move ahead, we have to begin to see the ways that we have privilege that we don't aren't aware of. And yeah, I think that's that's great that you guys included that part. Well, great. Well, let's um, take a little break and we'll be right back to talk more with uh, Tessa Emma. Sedona and Riley about the the Better Together program and the Teen Advisory Council. Thanks so much for listening. Hopefully those of you listening are taking a moment to do a tiny bit of introspection. This episode is an extension of one of the stories in the current issue of Prescott Woman magazine. For more on the Teen Advisory Council and Better Together, pick up the February-March issue available now. This gorgeous lifestyle and business magazine is free at locations all over town. Check the show notes or prescottwomanmagazine.com distribution to find the location nearest you or subscribe at prescottwomanmagazine.com to make sure you get your issue as soon as it comes out. Okay, now back to our talk with the TAC teens. And welcome back to the Prescott Women Podcast. We are here with some most excellent teens who are courageous and getting out in the world to try to help make Prescott really, really, really everybody's hometown. One of the things that I notice on this call right now is that everybody but me is female. So all of the all of the teens talking are, are female. Are there male? Are there boys, young men on the the teen advisory council? Are there are there young men involved in the the better the the better together program? So yes, we have three uh, guys uh, on tack, and none were involved with better together initially mainly because two of them uh, had joined after Better Together, and um, one of them was working on the disability awareness campaign. But I think all three are working on the Better Together campaign for the springtime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And how how was it with uh, young men in the conversation when you guys had the program? Did, Did guys actually speak up? Yes. I'd say, so. I mean, in my, I was in the same breakout room as Riley and actually um, one of the guys there ended up joining tech. When I started talking about like my experience in Prescott um, and just in a predominantly white area being Asian, he actually chipped, he also is half Asian, which I was like, whoa, another one of us. Um, he he uh, chimed in. He's like, oh my gosh, I've had the same experience as you. I was like, whoa, okay. So I'm not alone. Like I'm not crazy. So that was cool to see uh, him get vulnerable. You know, what did what did it feel like to finish that conversation? What did you what did you feel or what did you make up? I, I, I heard uh, somebody say they, they felt a little more hopeful, but I'm just kind of curious to hear from all of you. You know, what did it what did it feel like to to do that and finish it? I could speak to that. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was it was definitely hopeful and it was good to it definitely felt like a beginning and it felt like 
a chance for people to share. And like you said, be uncomfortable a little bit and be a little bit vulnerable because it's not a conversation that is easy to have. So it was really good to see everybody start to open up to um, like to touch on what Riley was talking about, about sharing things, sharing their own personal experiences. That's a hard thing to do. And to see people do that was really exciting. Also bringing, having the opportunity to bring that back to our communities and to our different schools and start to have those conversations in new places. I know that since the Better Together event, I've I've definitely seen things happen and I have been inspired by the amount of people that I was able to talk to to start to say more things and get more involved. And I know that a lot of teens left that conversation excited to go do more and be better in our community. You're talking about having like actually doing more interventions when you're when you're seeing racist actions or, or, or speech, or is it more about just having more general conversations and feeling like you're you've got more I you know, I'm thinking about Emma finding out that there's another half Asian person in town, you know, this kind of like sense of belonging that there are people kind of willing to have those conversations. Is it is it a little bit of both? I mean someone else could speak to that, but I think I think it was cool to make those connections with some people mm. and be able to share experiences. And I do think that there, to some extent, it mostly it just gave the opportunity for us to learn how to have the conversation mm-hmm. because they're very difficult conversations to have. And if you don't have a toolkit to have them, it can be even scarier mm-hmm. and more uncomfortable. And so to learn how to speak with empathy and to listen with empathy and to understand a different perspective, even if you don't share it, is a really important skill and one that as teens to learn is very crucial and will create a better future for all of us. Yeah, Yeah, I'm curious what you guys learned as far as skills in having, having conversations like that. Did you learn from the facilitator Yeah, the facilitator, he did a great job um, breaking down like not only um, like tools um, that you can use, but also like the science of how we speak to each other, which was really cool as students. You know, we've never like Sedona said, we don't we haven't really had the tools like schools don't teach us how to talk to people. Schools don't teach us, you know, when you're faced with this situation, this is how you respond. I think a lot of us, you know, being involved in trying to advocate are kind of faced with how, I don't know how to communicate. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to make this person, you know, think that I'm lecturing them or, you know, judging them. And uh, Eric Bailey, the facilitator, I think did a great job of not only sharing science, um, different studies and polls, different groups of people, how they perceive language, um, but also like real life examples of he and his wife having a disagreement about, you know, cleaning the toilet, whatever. There there was a lot to work with and to learn from. Yeah, just after that, I mean, I think both of them said it really well of how Eric did present those facts and like the science behind it and how we can come off sometimes of being judgy or lecturing people when we're trying not to. We're just, we have a strong opinion about it and mm-hmm. we want to talk about it more. Um, so I think it was really cool to see him really talk about it and have kids understand we weren't trying to like put their opinions down or anything like that. Tessa, can you say a little bit more about the science? I'm really intrigued by this. Is it is is there something about how my brain works that makes me perceive things 
as more judgmental or, or something? What, what, what was that, that science? Yeah. So basically when you kind of get more hot headed, um, obviously your emotions run high. And so part of your brain can actually turn off a little bit, um, your more rational part and kind of just block out what they're saying. And so Eric really taught us how to like calm the situation down mm-hmm. first. And so both sides can open up and actually hear each other wow. and what sides we kind of take. Also to recognize like the signs of somebody being, like recognizing the signs of somebody becoming hot headed and becoming anxious. Like we learned if somebody starts to sweat, they get flushed, they're shaking. And I, like a lot of us shared like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel whenever I'm trying to voice my opinion. Like I, I feel so anxious and nervous and to know that that is the human response to being in that uncomfortable situation and having that difficult conversation, I think Bruce like said like made the situation, made conversations more empathetic and human. It's like a fight or flight kind of response, but to learn that it's because you're passionate or maybe somebody else is passionate and rather than it being it feeling like you're you have to get super defensive because you need to protect yourself because that's the human reaction mm-hmm. it's more like how can i listen and understand that this is just them trying to share their passionate point of view mm. yeah mm-hmm. let's hear it for that's science what, <laughs> yeah and you know another really beautiful component of this event is that prior to the big better together event we actually had over 40 kids volunteer to be student facilitators. And that included a two hour long training about a week beforehand on how to cultivate productive conversation. And it's not, you know, it wasn't framed around necessarily the idea of racism, but about having really powerful conversations in general. And I think now, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments in my eyes of this event is that we now have 40 kids who are much more aware of how to have these strong conversations without shutting people out. And all those kids are now at four different high schools across the Prescott area. And that that is one of the biggest gifts of this event in my eyes, at least. Because isn't that's how culture changes, right? You have more people who have the skill set to step in and say, hey, not cool, you know, or hey, let's talk about this. The more people you have who are, are willing and able to do that well. Do they all get special armbands or like a hat or a badge? Or... <laughs> yes, actually, we have T-shirts. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> So what's what comes next for the participants from this conversation? So um, our hope with uh, the participants uh, is that they will use the tools that they learned in their everyday life and hopefully in their futures. Uh, we were very intentional in uh, wanting teens to be involved in the conversation because, you know, we're the future. We are the next uh, council pe- council people. We are going to be in government. We are going to be leaders of businesses. And... Um, to know now that there are uh, teens in this area that are better equipped to have conversations, I think gives us a lot of hope for the future of getting things done. Because I think a lot of us um, look up to leaders now um, in all sex and see, okay, these people are just yelling and they aren't getting anything done. And they're using, they don't really, they're not sharing the same definitions when they're talking about things and it's a mess. But I think knowing now that we have, 
you know, like Riley said, 40 teens of facilitators and even more who attended the event who are aware of how to have a conversation and how to, you know, scale things back when you two get heated. It will really help not only in our lives, but for uh, getting things done in the future um, at all levels. I can add to that a little bit. I mean, the main goal was to equip those teens with talking abilities. We are already like took that little step into like this bigger picture of hoping, you know, trying to break down racism a little bit more and make the town more inclusive. So what's next for Better Together as a program? Um, we're planning another event in the spring, um, hopefully including middle school this time around. And uh, with better logistics, getting more kids from different high schools involved the first time around because, you know, we were in the middle of school shutting down and uh, deciding between Zoom and in person and all that. I think a lot of kids got left out that we want to include this time around. Yeah. What kind of feedback have you been getting about the second conversation? Um, well, I know that the Better Together event did go well, and I think that looks good for us moving forward. And now we have more experience and um, can move forward with involving more people. And we already have connections with administration and different people. And I was really excited as we were having a conversation the other day in our committee meeting about the opportunity for students to talk to each other, younger students, high school students, all have the conversation to talk to each other in facilitated discussions, as well as teachers maybe being able to talk to older adults that are facilitating conversations about how to have conversations in the classroom and continue the conversations in the classroom because that's something that doesn't always happen or it's hard to know what to do. And so just providing the opportunity and resources for all sorts of people in the community, in classrooms and schools to be able to continue these conversations is really important. And I think that is partly our goal is to just reach a bigger audience now and be able to continue this work. That's great. It sounds like it sounds like the the adults are taking notice. I'm, I'm guessing you built a little trust with the administration and with the adults. And it sounds like there's an interest in in adults having these same kind of conversations or maybe an intergenerational conversation going forward uh, in, in a similar way. Was it, what does it feel like that you may have started something that folks are paying attention to and may integrate into the community as a whole, not just the high schools? It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Lay it down, lay it down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I personally feel like it's a great experience for teens to actually now be heard. I mean, we get it all the time. Like, you're just teens. You don't know about these situations. You don't know how to talk about it. But for really teachers and adults to really take notice, like, we are doing something, like, well and perfect. Or, hold on. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> perfect is fine. Go with perfect. That's okay, Tessa. You guys nailed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that we're really making a difference and that we're doing well with it. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say we really appreciate, um, I guess, the press that we've been getting for, from both the Daily Curry and Prescott Women's Magazine because it has brought a lot of legitimacy to uh, the Better Together event. I think a lot of schools were really scared to make the event like a school sanctioned event because they were scared that the event was going to be, you know, all of us lecturing their student bodies and telling them that they're terrible people. But I think what 
kids that have come out of the event and, you know, adults that attended and press has been able to highlight is that this really was just an educational and, you know, all-inclusive uh, conversation uh, about how we can be better. And I think it's given us uh, the ability to, you know, reach out to those schools again and give them more confidence moving forward that we need to have these conversations and we need events like these um, in our high schools. And you've demonstrated that you can do it sensitively and competently and have it be a really positive outcome. I'm, I can imagine that you guys are going to get a ton more participation in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I just going off of what Emma said, it, I want to nail the point in that this event was never our goal was never to shame anybody. Um, and uh, we honor that this is a, a, an issue for our entire town and the people organizing this event and the people that we hope are participating and the people that would never in a million years want to participate in something like this. Um, our, our goal was really to just cultivate a space where people can feel safe in wanting to change their behaviors, um, which is so key to any sort of ignorance that we are experiencing or contributing to is allowing people to feel okay and proud of wanting to change. Um, and, and again, we have all these kids now who have been a part of this event and are now participating in discussions in their classrooms. And we hope that they can transpose that same sense of um, opportunity to other students as well. Yeah. So. We've gotten lots of great feedback from the city. Um, they are wanting to hold their own kind of better together event as well for more of like the community for the older generations. So we're also kind of working with them to help them create this event. Yeah. So it seems like there's been a, a just a culture change in this community. What you were saying before was that there was this sense that teens didn't know what to do about this and weren't the ones to make the change. And now what I'm hearing you say, Tessa, is that the that the adults in the city administration are, am I right in this, that they're going to be asking you to help facilitate or help organize an intergenerational event? That's in the works. We still haven't got, we don't have all the logistics. We've been talking. We would, we would hope that they would include us. Um, and, and so we'll see. Yeah. Well, I hope anybody listening to this podcast feels a ton of trust for for people like the four of you and a ton of trust in your in your intelligence and your empathy and and your ability to to listen to hard conversations. You know, there's a one of my favorite science fiction books is by Kim Stanley Robinson and he talks about a whole new culture that arises on Mars. So it's it's you know it's very woo-woo it's science fiction but it, it really inspires me because it talks about in one of the cultures that arises it's like the adults say, we teach the children and the children judge us. And there's a, there's a certain amount of clarity that, that folks that I remember from being 14, 15, 16, 17, I, you know, there's some clarity that those of us as adults be like, oh, well, that clarity is all mistaken. But it's, it's, really, it's really useful for, for some of that clarity to show up in these, in these adult discussions for sure. But what I'm also hearing, like I said, is a ton of empathy and a ton of um, just non-judgmental willingness. Yeah, I will advocate for for being included in a conversation that includes includes youth. As as uh, uh, Emma pointed out, y'all are the y'all are the future council people and business owners and doctors and lawyers and, and teachers and everybody else. So might as well get you going now while you while you're not distracted by. <laughs> um, and one of my one of the, kind of the last questions. Well, first of all, is is there any way for our listeners to get 
involved in this sort of help promote this work? Is there anything that the adults can do at this point? Do they need to contact uh, contact the Teen Advisory Council, or do you need volunteers, or do you need people to to call the town council and say we want to we want Riley and and Emma and Tessa and Sedona involved in this? Is there anything that is any call to action for the adults on this? You know, um, our our Better Together event happening this spring is still in its very preliminary stages. So I think it it wouldn't be fair to ask of too much support right now. But um, on a larger note, the Teen Advisory Council is a um, sub organization under uh, the Launchpad. And the Launchpad does some incredible work for the youth in our community. And so if if your listeners are feeling empowered by the idea that the youth are going to be the future of Prescott and they want to support that, there's um, you could donate to the Launchpad. And if you do look on their website, there are other ways to get involved, I'm sure, as well. Great. Great. Well done. Y'all are doing a way better job on this podcast than I am today. And our last question is, you know, we both know Kelly and I are, are, you know, we've got some nieces and nephews. We're still, you know, connected to a number of teens in our community and and outside the community. And and what we hear sometimes is teens who are feeling, especially during COVID, bored, angry, anxious, afraid, you know, we're looking down the barrel of, you know, not only racism, but climate change and and uh, and just getting over COVID and the economy. You know, how are they going to have jobs? Um, what would you all say? What, do, what would be your message to a teen who's who's feeling those feelings and, and maybe feeling not knowing what to do? I mean, we feel the same thing. I think um, we're in it together. We're better together <laughs> um, to coin that phrase. But um, also we recognizing that have been working on uh, campaigns um, to try to uh, lessen that boredom and um, also uh, encourage a better headspace. Like right now we have our get outside campaign, which uh, currently meets out uh, on Wednesdays and Saturdays to go on hikes, socially distanced and with masks. Um and there's more events in the work for that. We also have a mental health committee working on a resource document uh, and a resource fair um, for teens if they need mental health resources. Is there anything you all want to add? Um, yeah, I I think one of the... I joined TAC after Better Together, and I think this is the group I've been looking to be a part of for a long time. And I'm really grateful I found this group of people who are really passionate about moving Prescott and moving moving Prescott forward and moving our community forward. And um, it's really exciting to work on different campaigns. And I definitely encourage other teens to get involved in some of the events that we have planned because we are excited and passionate about moving forward with different things that are impacting our future. Right. And I think if you care deeply about empowering the youth and ensuring that they are excited to get involved in things like this, the single best thing you can do is let them know that their voice and their opinions are valid. Because we we experience a lot of invalidation um, just in the name of our age. And so, you know, it's very important to empower the teens in your life and let them know that they are smart and that their opinions do have nuance and their experiences are unique and worth being listened to. And the same goes for all the emotions that are happening as a result of this crazy year and now we've moved on to 2021 but uh just let them know that they're valid and their feelings deserve to be heard 
um, because we, we live in a culture, unfortunately, that does not tell teens or the youth that they are most of the time. So um, mm. that, that's very important. And I think sometimes people uh, don't realize the importance in prioritizing that for the youth in your own life. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I think all mm-hmm. of us have felt like a sense of, are we allowed to speak now? Like, are we going to be taken seriously? Um, and so, you know, as adults, I think, like Riley said, if there are more adults in this world that are going to have an open ear for what we have to say, I think that that'll make for a positive teen culture and hopefully positive adult culture in the future as well. Hmm. Well, that's why we're having you on this podcast. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so glad we did. I, I just can't say enough good things about you young ladies and woman you're not here we're gonna say more good things about you (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll have an outro um any any last things that you want to talk about any questions that we didn't ask that you'd like to you'd like to answer um yeah so recently one of our more recent campaigns is a disability awareness event uh, which is going to be held on the 20th of february um really talking about how people can advocate for people with disabilities and how to help the community more. If you want to learn about more of the committees, you can follow us on Instagram. It's a Prescott underscore tack. Keep up to date with all of us. Great. I will do that. I am not following the Teen Advisory Council on Instagram yet. I will make sure to do that. And disability is kind of one of the last frontiers of, of civil rights and, and human rights. So I'm glad I'm glad you all are picking that up. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm noticing that, that you all did an excellent job or continuing to do an excellent job of seeing a problem and instead of being passive in the face of that problem, finding one another, finding other people who are seeing this problem, and then figuring out something to do. And that's, I still struggle with that, even as an empowered adult with, you know, a bank account and, you know, you know, some skills and some resources, just like, you know, just doom scrolling on Twitter instead of going, okay, well, what, what am I going to do about this? And I've, I've been making changes, you know, I made phone calls for the election. And um, I did, you know, attend one of the Prescott Town Hall events that a couple of teens, I think, as well. So it's just, it's just a lesson. I think adults can take a lesson from what you all are doing of like, find people who share that concern, have a discussion about it, and then figure out how to figure out how to have a bigger impact. Yeah, I think, I think it's really easy. Honestly, it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to not do anything and to see things happening and feel very hopeless or feel like there's so many problems and you're not quite sure what to do. But it's really good and important that we continue to hold hope and that we can to do work that is required to keep us moving forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to end it any better than that. Perfect. <laughs> Stuck the landing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sedona. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you so much, Tessa. Thank you so much, Riley, for, for the work that you are doing in our precious community to try and make it everybody's hometown. And uh, thank you for, for being here today and, and speaking up. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having thank us. And thanks for listening. <laughs> Those young women absolutely blew me away. 
I am not at all surprised that they are smart and passionate about making a difference, but they're so mature in their understanding of what's going on and in their response to what feels to me like a big, scary problem. And they're making great strides. They aren't lecturing people on how they're doing it wrong. They are using proven tools and skills to cultivate productive conversations so people can really see and understand each other. So people can make the kinds of connections that build a foundation for a new culture. They're not pointing fingers or calling names. They're building a structure that furthers our ability as individuals to step into the conversation and grow this new culture of equity, accountability, and justice for all of our neighbors. There is no punishment or shaming, only welcoming. And that's really the kind of culture that I want to live in and be part of. Yeah, I agree. I'm really impressed with these teens. And I'm also just really impressed with their refusal to give up. Um, You know, one of the things that comes with age and wisdom is a certain, for me, a certain level of of cynicism and compartmentalization and kind of picking and choosing where I put my energy. And sometimes I don't put it uh, in places that are for the betterment of community. But that, that fiery teen energy, that refusal to let things just be as they are, Uh, I'm looking to get more of that and hearing this conversation with these, you know, four remarkable individuals kind of helps me remember to be a little, a little less content with how things are and a little braver about engaging. So we hope you listeners enjoyed this podcast episode as well. We hope that you were inspired. We hope that you were a little bit challenged. We hope that it brought up a lot of questions for you and that you find ways to have the kind of respectful, curious conversations that these teens are promoting. And we hope that you'll support whatever steps that the city makes to engage a multi-generational, intergenerational conversation that is really going to make Prescott everyone's hometown. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and to Prescott Woman Magazine so you never miss a moment of local goodness. The Prescott Woman Podcast is produced by Rocket Feather Creative.